It's Wednesday night and we're talking about baptism. I can't get away from it. It is everything that the New Testament is about. We are saved by baptism. Now you tell the Church of Christ that and they'll just be happy as they can be. But if you tell them it's not water, that it's blood. It's the blood of Christ. The scripture says he has washed us from our sins. That's salvation. Washed us from our sins in his own blood. And the Bible says in, in 1 Peter, baptism doth also now save us, the way it saved the people in the ark. Now I'm going to put some things on here more than once. I'll put them on each week because it is imperative to understand that a blood baptism was a death. It was a martyrdom. Jesus said in Luke, look at Luke, the 12th chapter. Luke 12. Jesus tells us that a baptism that is something that happens in our life as we go along. It's not just a one-time happening. He certainly baptizes us in the blood of Christ. The word baptize actually comes from blood. Uh, I put this on the board every week. Baptize comes from baptizo and bapto. It's a combination of these two words. Like I said, Mr. Girdlestone said he was a great writer. How, uh, Baker Girdlestone, he said that, the, that when the uh, King James translators got to the word baptizo and bapto, they didn't know what to do with it. It confused them because him being a Greek and a Hebrew scholar, he said the word baptizo and bapto was actually a verbal noun. It was a noun. Now, the way we use baptism, we use it as a verb showing action, action of a person into water. Well, a verbal noun is an infinitive. An infinitive is the condition of something after an action has been taken upon it. I said it last week. If you paint a barn with paint, you don't dip the barn into the paint. You splash the paint upon the barn. If you say the barn is to be painted, to be painted would be an infinitive. After the action is done, it will be painted. Well, baptizo and bapto, if you look it up in the... Pick up your Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, just like this. Like this. Every word is mentioned in here. And you look up baptize in alphabetically in it and go to the Greek dictionary in the back. It will tell you baptizo means to cover. You don't have to go and find some great super scholar to find this out. And bapto means to stain. It will tell you it comes from bapto, meaning to stain or to die. 
That's what your concordance will tell you. Of course, Mr. Strong in the McClinican Strong will tell you it means to cover with a stain or dye. That's what it means. And he will also tell you under baptize or under blood, the last section of the word baptize or blood, it will tell you a blood baptism was a death. It was to be martyred. Well, if there's one baptism, I keep saying this, Ephesians 4 and 5, Paul says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and by this time period it was not water, not water. By when Paul wrote to Ephesus, he wrote to him, wrote to them when he was in another church. And when he's ministering, and these are letters he wrote back to where he'd been. Well, this is approximately 50 to 55 A.D. That's approximately when he wrote to Ephesus. That before 33 A.D., 33 A.D. is approximately when Jesus died. When he died, he was nailed to cross. The nailing was a legal thing among the Jews. When you drove a nail through an original document, official document, they, they will tell you that, that by nailing a nail through the document, it meant to invalidate the present contract. So the present contract that was spirit, that was literal, all of the rituals, which would include water washing that they had in all of their rituals, they had all kinds of baptisms. Look at, go over here and look at Hebrews. Just, what happened to Luke? Huh? Luke 12, you said. Oh, that's right. I'll go over there in a minute. But go to Hebrews. I'll come back to Luke 12. Go to Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Let's look at some of the other baptisms. These were all rituals that Paul tells the Colossian church they were nailed to the cross with Christ, the original contract. Look here. All right. In Hebrews chapter 9, Paul says, he's talking about the way into the Holy of Holies was not made known while the original temple stood. We went through this last week. The Holy of Holies was here. The Ark of the Covenant was there. Let me move this. The Ark of the Covenant was there. You had the candlesticks out here. We found out last week that the and the altar of incense here. We found out last week the altar of incense was the prayers of the saints in the New Testament because you've got a temple over here in the New Testament 
in the New Testament, the temple is us, the believers. Know you not that your body's the temple. And the Bible says, the law is written on fleshy tables of our heart, and it was sprinkled with the blood of Christ there in Hebrews 10. The law in the Old Testament, Testament was written on tables of stone kept inside the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, by, then we found out the veil, the, the veil of the temple was the flesh in the New Testament. The flesh is the bread. The bread is the body. The body is the church. We found that at, that last week, that the candlesticks is the refined church and the bread is the church. We being many are one bread and one body. Everything over here equals this over here. Well, look here what he says in chapter 9. We'll read this verse 8 again. The Holy Ghost is signifying. The Holy Ghost is make plain, delao, that the way into the Holy of Holies, the, the holiest is the Holy of Holies. Another name for that was the house of the Lord because God lived upon the Ark of the Covenant, came down out of the cloud of fire or the are the the fire by day and the cloud cloud by day and the fire by night, and he set upon Israel and he was married to Israel from that throne of God, which was the Ark of the Covenant. And then he says, the Holy Ghost signifying that the wind of the holiest was was of all was not made manifest or made known while the first tabernacle was still standing. Because the second tabernacle is us. We're the tabernacle. The word tabernacle in the New Testament is the word S-K-E-U-S. And it comes from the word S-K-E-N-E. Skene means a wife that's useful to the husband. That would be the church. The wife, the bride of Christ. Then he says, which was a figure, it was just an example, a parabola, P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E. That is our word, parable. Para means near. And bole comes from balo, B-A-L-L-O. It means to cast down near the other one. If you set this one against this, he said this is the real. This is just the figure or the parable of the real. This over here is also called the shadow. Shadow. Y'all have to excuse me writing sideways. It's the shadow. Shadow is the word skia. And skia means shade. Skia. This is the shade over here of the real spiritual that is us. That's what it's about. Now notice what he says here. Which is a figure for the time then present. It was just a parable for what's going to come. In which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service. The people that would do the service to this, which would be the Levites, 
And one of the Levites was Aaron, and you had to be a son of Aaron to be a high priest. All of the Levites were priests. Only sons of Aaron were high priests. And those that did the service worked all in around this tabernacle. And the Bible says God hath made us priests and kings of this tabernacle right here. He's made us priests, and he is the the priest, the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So over this tabernacle here with us, he ministers with us. And everything over here was just a parable pointing to the real thing. That's us. Look what he says. Which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse baptismos. Diverse means various kinds of baptismos. They had many baptisms under the tabernacle until Jesus died and they nailed those nails in his hands. Until he died, they had many baptisms. When they nailed him to the cross, there's only one baptism, and that's blood. I, I don't know why nobody ever saw that. We're saved by blood baptism. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood in that seventh chapter of Revelation. He's, Peter said, and I've heard this explained away by all the Baptists, when you go over to 1 Peter 2, or 1 Peter 3, speaking of the Gentiles, I don't need to go through all this because I'll stay on it for an hour. The Gentiles sometimes were disobedient, verse 20, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing when few, that is, eight souls were saved, it says by water in a King James Bible. But it doesn't say that in the original text. It says dia. The water in this case was, in the case with Noah, was not the baptism. The water was the judgment of God. The baptism of the ark was the pitch. Pitch. Noah pitched the ark within and without with pitch. Pitch with pitch. First word pitch, kafar, has the same definition as baptizo. Baptizo. Pitch with pitch. The first word is a is a verb, and the second word is a noun, and it's the word kafar. And pitch, when you study pitch, when you study the word pitch, a pitch was a red stained caulking. They caulked all the boats with it. They put pitch on the little tiny ark. They put Moses in in the second chapter of Exodus, and it was pitched with pitch. It calls it kemer there in Exodus second chapter. When you study kemer, it means to to stain with a red dye. Red dye. 
And the pitch kept the boats afloat. The pitch is what saved them. If there'd been no pitch, the water to come in, the judgment of God had come in and drown them all inside the ark. But it was God that gave Moses the instruction to pitch this. It was a called gopher wood that he built it from. When you study gopher wood, it was a very strong wood and it would not rot. So that's what that was about. So he says, baptism doth also now save us. He's not talking about water saving us or water saving the people in the ark. He's talking about the pitch of the ark saving them. And that's what baptism really is. It means pitch with pitch. And then he says, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It's not washing the body with water that will make you clean, but with the blood of Christ. But the answer, instead of washing with water, it'll be the answer of a good conscience. Sunitesis. Soon. E-I-D-E-S-I-S. Sunitesis is a construction of soon, means with. But it means more than with. It means to blend together. Like you put things together and it becomes a blend. Soon ido. Ido. Remember ido? Means to see. Remember the word ido. Lo. Latria. Remember that? What's that word? Idolatry. It comes from Ido and Latruo, meaning to serve. Latruo. It means to it means to serve Latruo. What you see, Sunido means to see with. Comes from Ido and soon. It means to see with. You've got what gives you a good conscience. There has to be, in order for a man to believe God, he has to die. And you've got two men in you. You've got an inner man, which is Christ, an outer man, which is the flesh. Paul said, I serve my flesh with the outer, with the outer man, flesh, and with the inner man, I serve the law of God. And you have to really understand, where does this inner man come from? He is the born-again man. I'm going to talk to you about again, born again. There's an inner man which is Christ in you. Think When you think of the flesh, think of 1 John. One and eight. When you see the inner man, think of First John three and nine. First John one and eight says, "If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. It's not in the outer man." And then the then First John three and nine says, "Whosoever is born of God." does not commit sin. Well, what part of us is born of God? It's the inner man. It's Christ in you like 
I quote so often Colossians 1 29 Christ in you the hope of glory so you got two men in you the one that's going to overcome is the inner man as you grow older you're going to go through trials and fire that's the thinking not strange concerning the fire trial which is to try you you have to overcome this outer flesh you have to overcome jealousy and envy and pride all of that and more and over the years God will put you through enough fire till this outer man decreases to a very thin veneer at 79 I don't have the desire in me that I had at 30 and 35 or 40 don't want to be rich I don't want things and stuff I just have not interested in it anymore whatever I get I want to share with people I want to give to the needy and the poor now this inner man is actually baptism what is it it is regeneration notice generate if you generate something what do you do you charge a battery to generate it if it runs down if the battery runs down what do you do regenerate that actually is a word that comes closer to the original Greek than just about anything because the word let me give you something here the word regeneration it is a washing well if it's a washing there's one baptism and all the washing rituals were nailed to the cross with Christ in Colossians 2.14. The Bible says that regeneration is a washing. Look over here. Look over here in Ephesians 5. Notice the washing. Ephesians 5. I need to go back. Before I do this, let me go back to Luke 12 and get that in before I run away from it then I'll come to this this Ephesians 5 look here in Luke Jesus speaks of a baptism that's not yet accomplished in him look here Luke 12 and verse 49 I am come to send fire on earth that would be the fiery trial that we go through. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. That's in that's in First Peter, the fourth chapter. The fiery trial is the fiery baptism. Remember, baptism of fire is the same thing as Holy Spirit baptism, which is the same thing as a blood baptism. A blood baptism was a death. That's why Jesus asked James and John, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? He didn't say, are you able to be baptized that I, with the baptism that I was baptized with? He said that I am. I'm going through it even now. Am is a present tense verb. He said, I am going through it. And they said, we can. He said, you'll both be baptized with a blood baptism. It's a death. And he says here, in verse, 
I am come to send fire on earth. And what will I, if it's already kindled, the fiery baptism is already kindled. The Pharisees are already looking at him. They're already hating him. He's already correcting them on their halakha. And he's in the blood baptism even at this point. And he says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. I've got one that I have to be baptized with. It's not that water three years ago or at least a couple of years ago that I was baptized with. That one is going to be nailed to the cross with Christ. And how am I straightened soon echo? How am I straightened? Held to hold echo means to hold. I hold this eraser. To hold a sign, you have to say, hello, 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 hello. That's an echo. means to hold a sound. Well, soon echo comes from soon and echo. It means to hold with. Kind of like this inner man, to have a good conscience, has to vote with the outer man the outer man has to vote with the inner man that he has to die. And that's the two that's the two witnesses the Bible speaks of over in Numbers 35 and over in Deuteronomy 17, Deuteronomy 29. There has to be two witnesses to any law to verify. So in order to die to the flesh, the inner man has to cause the outer man over the years to die to this flesh. And that will happen the older you get. Your inner man will cause the outer man to die and give up self. If you have no inner man, all you'll have is the flesh that you live for, and that'll be it. And you'll die and go to hell one day. And only God can change that outer man. You have to have a new birth, and that comes by Jesus only. And that's what gives you a good conscience. But the new man inside is regeneration. Look here what he says here. He says basically the same thing here. Look here in verse 50. I have a baptism, be baptized with. How am I held together? Soon would be held together with Christ. Echo, behold. How am I held together till it be accomplished? He sang. I haven't been baptized with this baptism yet. I'm in the process of it right now, being crucified. By, I'm going to be crucified by the Pharisees. They're angry at me. I'm going through a fiery trial. And that word accomplished is the word, guess what? T-E-L-E-O. Teleo. Recognize that word, don't we? Remember? What does it come from? Teleos. Teleos is the word perfect. Be therefore perfect. Even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. It don't mean to be without any error in your life. It means to be mature. Or to be grown up. And teleos, teleo, is the same. Comes from this word teleos. It means to complete. Jesus says, how am I held together until this baptism is complete in me? 
Now, I want us to go back to what I was talking about. Ephesians 5. Regeneration is a baptism. Look here in Ephesians 5. It, without defining these words, you're not going to know these things, are you? You've got to have the definition. And I'm going to define regeneration for you. It's a magnificent, magnificent word. All right. Ephesians 5, 26. May have to read a couple of verses before that. 5. Read, uh, let's read from 23 through 25. For the husband is the head of the wife. He's not the boss of the wife. This is the head right up here. It sits on my shoulders. The wife is the body. Like this is my body down here. My head doesn't boss my body around. If I make a mistake with a hammer putting something together, which I very seldom do that, but if I make a mistake, I don't get a hammer and say, I'll teach you hand and, you know, start banging my hand with a hammer. I don't do that. It's going to hurt my head. My brain's going to hurt. It's going to exhibit pain throughout my body. You don't abuse the body when you're the husband. Christ doesn't abuse us. He puts us through fire and it gets rid of that fleshly man, that outer man. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he is the savior of the body. How many bodies are there according to the fourth chapter of this book? There's one body. And we being one body, one bread and one body. We're the bread and the body. And then it says, husbands, love your wives. Oh, excuse me. Therefore, as the church is subject unto, the, unto Christ, so let the wives... Be to their husbands and everything. It's not talking about be subject to a man that beats you and that won't feed you. It means be subject to your husband that will lay his life down for you. If the husband is not living like a husband and he's living like a tyrant, you don't behave around him. You don't stay with him. Husbands, love your wives. That word love, agape. Walk in the commandments of God concerning your wives. Agape. Agape is Second John 6. This is agape that we walk after his commandments. You say, Jim, why do you put that up there so much? It explains this verse better than if you just leave love, actually agape, out of it. It means to walk in the commandments of God. It was a relationship that fathers had for their family, that kings had for their subjects. You walk, you, he gave us commandments and we walk in them and he wrote them up on our hearts. Even as Christ, husbands love your wives, even as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her. He didn't die for an it. It's the word autes, A-U-T-E-S. Look here, let me erase this. This is her right here. Remember the word auto is self. When you put a feminine letter on the end of it, it is female. 
this word it is a u t e s autes is a form of a u t o which is the word self self and autes means her the bible didn't just die for everybody this verse right here said there was a particular wife that Christ loved and gave himself for her. He only died for his church. Our names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. How did God know who would believe him? He didn't know who would accept him. He did know because no one would accept him since no none seeks after God. So nobody is going to accept Christ. He knew exactly who his wife was before the world began because our names were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world, and he was the lamb slain for a particular wife, her, from the foundation of the world. That's predestination, isn't it? He knew who his wife was. When he died on the cross, he died for a certain number of people, and that was her. Nobody else. The Bible says he only died for her. And people say, he died for everybody. He did not. He gave himself for his wife. He knew exactly who they were. And when the last one comes in, according to Revelation, the 10th chapter, verse 7, when the mystery of God is finished, teleos, a part of teleo, or teleos, when it's finished or complete, the last trumpet sounds. Notice how, what a difference these words makes in a meaning. Now, let's continue to read. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. It is a washing, a lutron. That means to cleanse. Now let's match this up. Only one other time this is used and it has to do with regeneration. Now look over here in uh, Titus 3. Look at Titus 3. And we'll try to get all this straightened out if we can. All right. Titus 3 and verse, I have to read a couple of verses there. Oops, I'm going over the end of the Bible. Excuse me. First and second, that's only Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Okay. Titus 3, and this is what regeneration is about. Titus 3 and verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, his Eliao, E L E O O. Mercy. This is something you do. You don't just look at something and have pity on it, 
Mercy is when you extend help to someone. That's what McClinic and Strong will tell us. By his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. Regeneration is a washing. If it's a washing, there's only one baptism now, and that was a washing. The washing of regeneration has to be the same thing as he's washed us from our sins in his own blood. It is the same thing. Well, this is a washing of regeneration. Regeneration is an interesting word. Here's the word. And this will straighten out some things that people struggle with. Let me erase some of this. All right. Regeneration is the word palingenesia. P-A-L-I-N. P-A-L-I-N-G-E-N-N-E-S-I-A. This is the word regeneration. P-A-L-I-N. G-E-N-N-E-S-I-A. Pollengenesia is a construction of pollen. That is the common word. When you look up the word again, it's the word pollen. There's a dozen words for again in the Bible. When Jesus came to Nicodemus and said, you must be born again, this is not it. Pollen is not it. That word again is anothen, A-N-O-T-H-E-N. Anothen. That word is translated born again three times in Genesis, in John, the third chapter, and nowhere else is it again. You'll find this word anothen means, it comes from ano, meaning above. Anothen means your birth has to come from above. That's not exactly the word again, but again, being from above, will be your second birth. Would be the second birth, and you have other places where this word again is used. You've got a whole bunch of words that have been translated again. I'll just write them on the board real quick. You have the word hupostrepho, H, you know. These words are all translated again, but they don't mean, mean one more time. The word that means again or once more is the word pollen. That's the only word that means over. The others have a sense to it, but you have the word hupostrepho. Which means to return or turn turn toward to return or turn toward. 
I'm not going to go through verses on this, turn toward. In a sense, that would have a, be kind of related to repent, metanoia. Metanoia means to be caused to turn and think differently, metanoia. And, of course, that has meanings to be ashamed and to take the blame and to be instructed. And you have the word anastasis. This has been translated again in some of the things. Anastasis, we recognize that. It means to resurrect. And that's translated again sometimes. And sometimes it's translated resurrection. That's why it's important that we go to these words. You have the word antisteme, A-N-I-S-T-E-M-I. That comes from Anna. Means up, up, up. And histeme, H-I-S-T-E-M-I, which means to stand or to be upright. Stand up or be resurrected. And you have the word ant apocrinomai. Ant apocrinomai. This is translated in several places again in the New Testament. Ant apocrinomai means to talk back, to talk back. And when you see these words, you can see apo means removal or opposite and anti, which means instead of. And crino, crino means to judge, to judge back. And then you have ant, ant, kaleo. Remember the word kaleo? If you look at the words, you recognize all of them. Ant comes from ante, which means instead of, on opposition to, instead of. Kaleo means to call. It means to bid again, to bid again. This has to do with your mouth. And then you have anothen, which is that word, anothen which is the word, you must be born again. And you have the word, apodidomai, apodidomai. And didomai means to give back, means to give back or pay back. And you have the word, apolambano. You remember what lambano as many as received him, Lambano, B-A-N-O. <coughs> Lambano means to take hold of or to be repaid. Means to receive or be repaid. That's in John, the first chapter. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's not the word in Palangenesia. That's the word generation. 
So when you're talking about again, you're talking about pollen. When we think of again, we're thinking of this word right here, pollen. Do that again. That's what you're thinking of. Pollen genesia. This is the word regeneration. Re. Pollen means do it one more time. Then pollen genesia means rebirth. It comes from re and genesis. G-E-N-N-E-S-I-S. Genesis, pollen means over again, oscillatory, repetition, anew. And it means to, it means to generate, there's several words that pollen comes from. It comes from palais, well, let me move this out of the word genesis. I'll get to that. Pollen is a form of palais, which means once more. Once more. Now, we saw in Titus that generation is washing, lutron. The word is lutron. That word washing is lutron. It means a bath. Regeneration is a lutron. It's a bath of something, but all of those baths have been nailed to the cross with Christ in Colossians 2.14. Blotting out all the rituals that we saw over there in Hebrews, the ninth chapter. So pollen comes from palais, once more. Uh, it's a form of uh, P-A-L-I-N, excuse me. P-L-I-N means once more. P-L-I-N, once more. That comes from palais. P-A-L-E, looks like pale. It means to vibrate or cause to move once more. When the body dies, in order to cause it move, you've got to pilate the body, and it will vibrate again, and you'll get up and walk around. That's, that would be associated with resurrection over here, or standing up. Notice how much, even though they're different words, they're related in meaning. It comes from pilate and palai. P-A-L-A-I. These are words that are morphemes. They come from the same line. They're called morphemes. Morphemes are word shapes. Word shapes. And all of these are shapes out of the same word pollen. And from palai, that means formerly. What you formerly were, or again, once more, 
come alive by vibrating formerly or it means ancient. What you were in the ancient time, this would be what you used to be when you were a baby. When you were a baby or you were born and then you come to sin and you die in sin and you go to sin unto him that knoweth do good and doeth it not to him in his sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. In order to die spiritually, you have to come to sin. You have to come to sin. When you come to sin, Paul said in Romans 7, he said, I was outside the law once. Goodness, wait a minute. I got so many things to say. Hold your place there and go over here to Romans 7. I'm bringing out a point here that we were gods before we died. We belonged to God from the womb. When we got to sin, Paul said sin killed us. And in order for us to be regenerated, only Jesus can come, not our will. Only Jesus can come and regenerate us and make us alive one more time. Pollen. And Genesis, we get our word Genesis, gene. He has to regene us. Our genes are our ancestors. That's where our blood comes from, from our ancestors. And we had to be born again or made alive one more time. So born again, Anothen, would be kin to this in that respect. But pollen is the word again. So it means you have to be gened again. You got all these words that are associated with the word gene. Genesis, G-E-N-N-E-S-I-S. That is a, that's a Greek word. That means nativity. You have to go through the nativity again pollen to make you a spiritual creation you have to be birthed one more time to be vibrated alive and be what you formerly was when you were a baby that's what regenerate means he said it was by this washing of a regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost being made new in your life. Now let's go back over to Romans 7. This is what Paul was saying. What are you talking about, Jim? We belong to God from the foundation of the world. The only ones that can be born again and regenerated are those who belong to God and we were born innocent. We're not born as sinners. You're born with a sin nature, but sin is defined 
as transgressing the law in First John, the third chapter, fourth verse, sin is the transgression of the law. Transgression, anomia, means no law, no nomos, anomia. That's the word transgression, no nomos. And the word law is nomos, means legal food for sheep. And this means no, the opportunity negating the word nomos, no law, no legal food. That's what, that's what transgression is. So, sin is the transgression of the law in John, 1 John 3 and 4. And the Bible says in James, the fourth chapter, that unto him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. The word good in that chapter, the fourth chapter is kalos. It means honesty or what is good in the sight of God. Well, how does a baby know how to be honest? They don't. You have to be able to. And then the last verse of the 14th chapter of Romans, the Bible says, and to him that it says that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Faith is death to self. Babies can't have faith. You have to be born again. If they die before they come to an accountable age where they do not know right from wrong. It's a, does a baby know right from wrong at two? Well, they know to do what their mother says or they get a spanking. Some of them do. Or at three, I don't know how old the accountable age is. You have to know right and wrong in God's eyes. Because that's the transgression of the law. It's not doing right. So, look here what Paul says in Romans, the second chapter. The seventh chapter, excuse me. Paul says, verse 6, Now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, he's talking about when you're in your sin, that we should that we should serve in newness of spirit, that's the inner man, and not oldness of the letter. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. He tells us over and over again. What shall we say then? Is the lost sin God forbid? Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. I had to be talked to and told what was wrong in the eyes of God. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Could Paul read the law when he was six weeks old, a week old? No. Could he understand the law when he was a year old? No. Could not. He had to come to the place where he knew what covet was. And covet is the word epithumia, same word as lust, means to long for that which is forbidden. But it had to be forbidden, forbidden by God, not for, by your mother or your father. They have to know when they're transgressing God's law. But sin, now look what he says, took occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, 
this the word means it's epithumia, another word, brought in me all concupiscence. Where, where verse was I in? Eight. Oh, eight. But sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence for outside the law. Without, it's the same word he used when he said in the last verse, last two verses of the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians, what I have I to do judge those that are without the law. It meant the vessels of wrath are outside the law of God. They don't have the law of God. They're just going to hell. He, so when he says without, he said, I don't judge those who are outside the church. For outside the law, sin was dead. If I wasn't in the law, then I'm not responsible for the law. For I was alive outside the law once. That means when he was a baby, right? He's saying, I was outside the law and I was alive spiritually. But how I ended up dying, here's how I died. When the commandment came, sin revived in my life and I died. Well, if he died, you cannot die unless you were once alive, can you? If you die... Can you say a rock is not alive because it died? A what? A rock? What? A rock? Yeah. A rock is not alive. Can a rock be resurrected? No. You had to be alive outside the law when you were a baby. But he said, when sin came into my life... When knowing right from wrong in the eyes of God came into my life, I died spiritually. You understand that? Yep. He wouldn't have said this. When sin came, it's not like I was born dead. Like these people that say, all of sin comes short of the glory of God, and uh, that means babies have sinned. No, that's not the context in the third chapter of Romans. The context in the third chapter of Romans is Jews and Gentiles. And Paul's talking about how everybody in the world are sinners, Jew and Gentile. He's not talking about babies. That's not the context. You've got to stay with the context. And here he says, I was alive outside the law. And he says... Now, this has to do with regeneration. You died, and you had to be regenerated. Pollen, Genesea. For I was alive outside the law once. But when the commandment came to me, in my heart, sin revived, and I died being a child. I was a child. You wasn't born dead. You wasn't born in sin. You were born with a sin nature. You had to come to you had to come to an understanding of sin before you died spiritually. And then he said, And the commandment which was ordained to life, 
I found to be unto death. I died. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it sin slew me. It killed me. That means I was alive at one point. I was alive, then I died, and the reason for it was sin, and I had to know what sin was. It was transgressing the law. It was not of faith. Faith is death to self. I came to a place where my faith was in me. It wasn't in God. And him that knoweth to do good, those are the definitions of sin right there. In James, the fourth chapter, the last verse, in there in uh, the last verse of Romans, the 14th chapter, and 1 John 3 and 4, tells you the definition of sin, and a baby can't do that. Now, to go with this, to show you have to come, be brought back to what you once were. You have to be pollen again. Genesea, or gene is the word gene. You have to be brought back to what you were. You were once alive, and you have to be born, birthed. In fact, you get the word genesis, G-E-N, uh, genomai, G-I-N-O-M-A-I. Genomai is the word that's used there in John, the first chapter. Jesus came into his own, his own received him not. To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become. To become is one word in the Greek. It's the word genomai. To become comes from the word gene. It means to become a gene. Genomai is a form of gene. Organesis. So, you have to be born back to what you once were, an innocent baby. And when you're born again, that inner man is born of God, that's what you're regenerated to. You have to go back. When sin came, sin is like the charge in the battery that runs down. Sin makes the battery run down. If you didn't have a generator in your motor, I don't know, maybe they have alternators now. I'm not a mechanic. But an alternator fed the engine back. It fed it more punch, more electrical work, so the engine would keep working. You have to have alternators or generators in a motor to make it keep generating. Otherwise, the battery will run down. And so you have to be regenerated, pollen, genesia. Not talking about these words over here. They are related in a sense to pollen, genesia, but pollen, genesia is a washing. We found that out. And there's only one washing, isn't there? And the washing is a blood baptism, which would be the same thing as regenerate, wouldn't it? Since that's a washing. And there's only one washing or one baptism now. Can you see that? That's not really hard, is it? If you get these Greek words and you put them together. You also have some other words that that 
the word Pelai. The word Pelai means formerly what you used to be. Formerly. And you have the word, it means ancient, what you used to be in ancient times when you were a baby. Your baby. And you have the word Pelaios. P-A-L-A-I-O-S. These are all these are all forms of the same word. P-A-L-A-I-O-S. They're all morphemes. Morpheme means to shape. I got books on morphemes. They're word shapes. They come from the basic same word. You got all these words that come from pa Palin. And that word, Palaos, means not recent but worn out. It means from of old times, what you were when you were a baby. And then you get the word Palaiotes, P-A-L-A-I-O-T-E-S. means oldness, what you were when you were a baby. And Palaio means worn out or waxed old, P-A-L-A-I-O. A baby, what you were when you were a baby, is older than what you are when you're a man. Because it's been a long time since you were a baby. So that would be the ancient time or the old times when you were a baby. This is my notes on regeneration. I haven't taught on this in years. And I never did teach all the way through it. And it's coming apart. And then you have the words. Genesis. Genesis is our word Genesis. means nativity. So palingenesia means to be born again or over or what you were in ancient times when you were a baby. That's what it means. You, people can, you have the word genea. It comes from genos, which means born. Genos. And boy, you get into Genos, and you get into a lot of words in Genos. What you need is this book right here. This is Word Study Concordance. It'll give you a word and all the words around it. We'll give you all the words it comes from. I'm not that smart. I just look these words up. Write them down. And I usually remember them if I s preach on something enough, if I teach it enough, I'll get to remember the words. And you have the word genesis, genomai, meanings again. You have the word geneo, which means to regenerate or procreate. Create again. And then you have... Like I said, washing is the Lutron. A generation is a washing. Regeneration has the same basic meaning as being baptized or being born again. And I got one other place. You've got two times that uh, regeneration is used. 
Let me see here. I've got it here somewhere. Regeneration. Uh, hold on. I've got it here somewhere. One other time. But I hope you can get the hold of the idea of regeneration has the same basic meaning as I got my notes and I'm losing them. All right. I'll find it if I can. No, I don't know what I did with it. All right. But anyway, as we go through this, we are, this is the only baptism there is. We're covered with the blood of Christ. That is regeneration. That is the new birth. That is born again. And born again is a baptism. That's what it is. Now, we are saved by a blood baptism. That's the only washing that there is. There's no other. And it's a washing. God shows us compassion. In verse 5, Elias, which means to be a benefactor. He's benefited us. Now, let's go over here to Galatians. Go back over to Galatians. Galatians, the fourth chapter. This is going to say basically the same thing we talked to you about in regeneration. All right, hold on a second. Don't run off. All right. Yeah, regeneration is used one at a time. Before we go to Galatians, go to Matthew nineteen twenty-eight, and then we'll go back to Galatians. Well, how much time do you have, Mike? Twenty-four. Huh? Twenty-four. All right. Now go back here. Regeneration is used twice in the Bible. Once here in Titus three five, and another time in Matthew nineteen and twenty-eight. So whatever you find in Titus 3, 5 is going to equal to Matthew 19, 28, isn't it? If they're both the same word, and they are. So whatever we find in Matthew, in regeneration is a washing, and there's only one washing, and that's a blood baptism. Well, if there's only one washing, then regeneration will equal a blood baptism. It's being generated Ganeo again, pollen. Alright. Now look here in Matthew 19 and verse 28. And this will tell you something else about regeneration. 19 and 28. Alright. Let's read 27 28. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, 
that ye which have followed me in the regeneration in the Palangenesia, you followed me in the baptism, in the being born again, and again, pollen, genesis, coming alive again. If you, to follow in the regeneration, you read that in the English, you're not going to understand what it means, are you? You followed me in this baptism, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, the throne is the Ark of the Covenant. Twelve is the number of the complete church. I don't have time to go on that. Judging the twelve tribes of Israel, which is us, the church. And everyone that hath forsaken houses and brethren, this is how you do that. Or sisters, or mother, or father, or wife, or children, and lands. For my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And those are the ones that's in the regeneration. That's because our brothers and our sisters are those who do the will of the Father, not our literal brothers and sisters. Now, let's go back over here to Galatians 4. This will show you that regeneration means you had to have been alive before you died and went into sin. And while you were in sin... God was protecting you. Go over here to Galatians, the fourth chapter. I don't know why people can't see this. Well, you know why they can't see it? They don't define the words. Let me get me a drink of water. All right. Now, Here in verse 22, not the fourth chapter, the third chapter. The third chapter of Galatians, the, the third chapter, verse 22. The scripture hath concluded all under sin. He's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's not talking about babies. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Remember, believe is the verb form of faith. Pistuo is the word believe. And faith is the word P-I-S-T-I-S. The stem of the word remains the same. Believe is the verb. And faith is the noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. This is a thing. Believe is a verb. Faith is the noun. Faith and belief. All right. Now, starting here in verse 23, but before faith came in our lives, is what he's talking about. We were kept when we're out there under the law. The word kept, phrureo, P-H-R-O-U-R-E-O. P-H-R-O-U-R-E-O. All right. We were kept. P-H-R-O-U-R-E-O. That's the word kept. When we're out here under the law... After we have sinned, 
and died spiritually because of what he says. We were kept for real, watched over in advance. We were hemmed in and protected before faith came in our life. Before. We're elect of God. Before faith came. We were hemmed in so that we couldn't die when we're out there in our sin. We're born as babies. Born as babies. We come to new birth whenever God makes us realize, I don't know when new birth starts. It starts when he makes you aware of your sin and causes you to repent and you know you're wrong and he births you there. He doesn't birth everybody spiritually and he births a few. I've had people say, well, do you think a child seven years old or eight years old knows sin? Absolutely. I did. I was seven years old when I looked up at the sky in Fort Worth, Texas and maybe 1946 or 47, maybe 47, I was eight years old, looked up at the sky and said, Jesus, I love you. I want to come be with you someday. I remember that like it was yesterday. It's the first I can remember calling out on God. If I called on God, I couldn't do that unless I believed in him. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Then my father started preaching in 1949, giving these long invitation hymns, telling us to come and accept Christ. And I wanted Jesus, so I walked the aisle all the time to accept Christ. You ever done that? I did. I wanted to make sure. I had to grow up and study the Bible to find out that I was already a believer. When he started preaching, I was a believer in Jesus. I didn't get it from him. I got it from some Methodist preacher while he's preaching. I, I don't know if it was that night. I have no idea when it started. Do you? Didn't you believe in Jesus? Be if you believed in invitation hymns, which I don't know, believe God is inviting anybody, you'd believe that you could be invited out of your seat back there. Were you willing to believe God when you heard the preacher? Or were you willing to believe God when you took the first step or the second step? Or when you got down to the front of the altar and bowed your head and said, Dear Lord, save me for Jesus' sake. Or was it when you said, Dear? Or when you said, Duh? Or when you said, save me, when you said that, it was, how can you call on God? How can you be willing to call on God from a seat back there in the back without believing in him? You can't. You couldn't even walk down the aisle unless you believed in him. Could you? You have to be a believer to want to walk down an aisle. I'm not saying that everybody walks an aisle. is lost. I'm saying that's the way the preachers confuse people, tell them to walk down the aisle and accept Christ, when that's not true. When you can't accept Christ, since none seeks after God. While you're out there in your sin, the Bible says God has kept us while we're out there under the law and shut us up unto the faith until we get to faith. We shut up. Suncleo, S-U-G-K-L-E-I-O. We were shut up. We were 
we were shut up unto the faith. This word shut up means to embrace together in common subjection. He put his arms around us while we were in our sin. He had chosen us from the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And we were his before the world began. That's why he told the Pharisees, you don't belong to me. My sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. And they're my sheep. My is a possessive pronoun. I give to my sheep eternal life. I don't give to goats eternal life and turn them into sheep. It's not true. That we've always been God's sheep. Luke 19 and 10. The Son of Man is come in the world to seek and to save that which was lost. Before he came into the world, we were lost. When he comes into the world, into our hearts, then we are his. So, but before faith came, this is the same thing as regeneration, polygenesia. When you were out there in sin and you were chosen by God before the world began and you died when you came to sin, after you died, you, were, you belonged to God as a child. You died and God has to regenerate or birth you again back to what you once were. You belong to God before you sinned. And people don't like this, but this is what the Bible says. You can't do anything with pollen genesia other than birth, genesis, again, pollen. That's all you can do with it. And we were shut up unto the faith till we got to faith, which should afterwards be revealed in our lives. Faith came. We're babies that belong to God. All the elect are babies. And then we come to sin. I don't know. It's the first sin you commit. Not a bunch of sins that makes you lost. This is what gets me. The people that say, well, if you keep falling away, you get away from God and you get lost. And you become unsaved. No, you don't. All lost sheep will come into the fold. It's not the Father's will that one of these little ones, sheep, should perish when they're lost. He leaves the caretaker and take in charge of the sheep while he goes to find the one lost sheep there in Matthew 18. And he finds the one lost one and brings it back into the fold. And they all rejoice because of that. The angels rejoice because the lost sheep is found. All of them will be found. None of them are lost. It is not God's will that one of these little ones should perish. He's not willing that any of us should perish. That's what it says in the original text in 1 Peter, that third chapter. Now, so we were babies back here, and we're lost in the darkness here. Polygenesia happens here. Rebirth. Genesis, new birth, gene. We're gened. You call it gened 
once again back to what we were before we were lost sheep. That's what he's saying right here. Before faith came in our lives, we were shut up unto the faith, which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That is confusing unless you know what it means. A schoolmaster wasn't some person that sat up at the board and wrote on the board and taught. A schoolmaster was one who took the child from his house, took him by the hand, and took him to school. The law was our teacher to take us to Christ. That's what it was for. And that's what he's saying here. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we should be justified. Justified. D-A-K-D-I-K-A-I-O-O. -O -O. Rendered innocent. This new birth, where you've got this inner man, is pronounced innocent, and he's always innocent, and God has to corral this outer man. And that outer man came alive when we died spiritually, when the law came to our lives, and we died, we died, this outer man starts to die and the inner man has to cause him to completely die well that's when the regeneration took hold of our lives the inner man we're regeneration we're regenerating that inner man cannot sin and the outer man won't quit sinning until he gets quite old and he'll still have a real thin veneer of sin in his life it'll be very thin it won't be much but that's what happens when we add to our faith. Now, do I have any time, Mike? Six. Huh? Six. 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 Now, people don't like this when I say we were once alive outside of Christ. And they want to say, well, everybody, you get, they want to talk about original sin. Original sin is a Roman Catholic doctrine. Original sin says that when you're born, you're born with the penalty upon your life of your mother and father. Isn't that what it says? That you're born, if you're born a Roman Catholic, the, the mom and daddy, as quick as you're born, they've got to get them to a priest. If you're taken away from the hospital in the middle of the day, they've got to go straight to a priest and get you sprinkled with holy water. Isn't that right? So you won't go to hell. Because if you die before you get sprinkled, you'll become a demon or a gnome that dwells between heaven and hell or heaven and the earth. You'll become a demon to devour to devour the Christian babies that come along and are born.
Have y'all ever heard that in Roman Catholicism? The demon will come and devour your child, and that's a bunch of hogwash. It's crazy, huh? Doesn't it come out of old Jewish tradition? Well, they have some wacky. They got some wacky things. Well, the Bible says that's not true. If you go over here to Deuteronomy, I'm just about out of time. If you go over here to Deuteronomy, and I won't spend much time on it, the 26th chapter, I believe it is. Deuteronomy 20, 20, 25, 26. I'll get to it. This is what the Bible says about a person that's born. I'm going to come back next week because Paul in Genesis says you were born. You were belonged to God. And you were born and didn't have any sin. And then, then sin took occasion, came to your life, took occasion by the commandment and killed you or slew you. All right. Over here in Deuteronomy 24, verse 16. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children. Neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. It's talking about the father's sin. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. You will die spiritually for your sin, not for your father's sin, because that has nothing to do with you. You'll be born with a sin nature when the Bible says that God will visit the sin to the second and the third and the fourth generation. That's not what these charismatics call generational sin. That's saying... If you cuss, don't expect your kids not to smoke. If you drink, don't expect them not to take drugs. And if you cuss, don't expect them not to cuss. This will happen on down to the third and fourth generation until God calls one of your family out and puts the new birth in them and pollen going to see it to them. And says, now you've got to make that outer man behave. And that will give you good conscience. And that's what the new birth is. And there's so many of these verses. Ezekiel 18, 20. Ezekiel 18. I've got to go through. Gosh, I don't have time to do that tonight. Ezekiel 18, I'll do that next week. Because I may talk about Polygenesia again. I never heard anybody even talk about Polygenesia or regeneration. Have you? Never heard anybody talk about it. Not like this. Huh? Not like this. Well, you need to be regenerated. Right. <laughs> Walk down the aisle and be regenerated. All right. Ezekiel. I'll get over here to it in a minute. 18. i got to finish the rest of this. Huh. Ezekiel 18. What am I looking for? Oh. 18 and verse 20. 
the verse that I've got to get back to is over in Psalms 18 and 20. The soul that sinneth it shall die, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness upon the wicked upon him. You're not going to be responsible for your father's sin. I need to read the rest of this. I just don't have time. I'm going to come back and read it next week. The verse that puzzles everybody is over here in Psalms 58. I'll read this, and I'll probably run out of time reading it. But I'll come back and get into it more. Psalms. This has to do with Paul and Genesea. Psalms 58, verse 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. As soon as is not in the text. They go astray, they be born. Speaking lies. They don't come out of the womb a day later and say, Cinderella died for your sins, you know, or something like that. Or I want to uh, start conning you as soon as they're born. From the womb was a term among the Jews that meant this will be your calling. John was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb in Luke the first chapter. From the womb... He was called to be God's uh, forerunner for Christ. Paul said in Galatians, the first chapter, God called me, he anointed me from the womb to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But first, I've got to go out here and kill a bunch of Gentiles, and then I'll be converted, and I'll take the message to the Gentiles. It didn't mean as soon as I come out of the womb, I'm going to say, you Gentiles need to repent. Goo-goo-da-da. You know. It's not what it's talking about. From the womb means that these evil vessels of wrath, their whole purpose in life is to lie. That's what it's talking about. They're born speaking lies from the womb. They may have been cute little kids and grow up and then start sinning and just get worse and worse, just like all vessels of wrath do. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for regeneration. This blood baptism is more than we can comprehend. Thank you for your truth, for your word. Fight our battles. Lord, we've got a lot of enemies that want to bring down this ministry. Help us, God. Stop any, anyone that wants to do that. Because we've got a purpose here, and that's to get your word out here to the world. Strengthen the flock. We'll give you praise for Christ and everything. Amen. That was a lot, wasn't it? Thank God for regeneration. If He don't do it, we can't do it. That's an amazing thing. How everything's attached to everything else, isn't it? The one where the one baptism is regeneration. It's a washing.
Well, it goes on in my mind constantly, and I've had those notes on energy regeneration for long before we came into this building. I preached on it one time, but I didn't get to this depth on it. We have to be brought back. We have to be brought back alive after we die. Wonderful to to get this knowledge that you know it's so vague until you break it down. Yeah. Like you said, it's in in the definitions that nobody bothers to go beyond. They, they don't care what things mean. If they did, it's like that word again has got many different words. You have to know what the right one is. And that's that's where the breakdown is. If that's where the breakdown in understanding of the Bible is. People don't have any idea what the definitions are. Take it for what you assume that's what we know. That one word to be our one little meaning. Yeah. People no idea that it has different nuances. Yeah, they don't know that. And the word again, you got nearly two dozen words that's the word again in the English but they're not the exact same word 